Hello and welcome to another episode. Today we start with a topic. Do main characters in video games need to be attractive? So they announced a new Fable game and in the trailer for that game, there was a character that is a woman that doesn't look as most people expect a woman to be. And it's this. And they're like, oh my god, they're so ugly, what the hell? This is, I don't know, wokeness or something. I, I, I didn't really care about what they were talking about. But as many people pointed out, like, Fable traditionally has a character creator thing. So this isn't the main character. It's like someone's character that they made, I think. I didn't care about the discourse, okay? But someone was like, hey, I fixed the Fable character with AI. And it's like, okay, you've changed their face. So it has, like, nothing unique about it. Good job. And someone fired back making fun of this by being like, look, I fixed The Last of Us. And so we've got Joel with his scars, his, his gristle, his, his wrinkles, and how beat up and tired he looks because of the world he's living in. And they use AI to strip all of that. And it just looks like his skin is all removed of any blemish or, or whatever. And it's, it's one of those sort of AI pictures that AI makes. And everyone's like, hey, wait a second. That's just Dark Viper AU. And I was like, that is just me. That's actually what I look like. Even the nose is on point. Like, this is what I would look like if you made me in a video game. The hair color is even spot on. Like, obviously the lighting's different right now, but um, I got added in this so many times. Like, there must be like a hundred people who saw this. Like, wait a second, that's not Stark 5 AU. This is the most I've ever been added in anything ever. So I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, the whole thing about Fable, I don't care about. I don't know nothing about Fable. It's a, it's a game series that I always thought I might want to play one day, but I never got around to it. The discourse about whether main characters need to be pretty or something, I, I, I don't know. It all seemed very dumb. Especially because if what they say is true, that you get to pick what your character looks like in Fable, that seems silly. So this was the discourse. Players think Fable character is too ugly. Updated, Lily Nicole is the real actress who gives life to the protagonist in Fable. And so this is the person who gave the face to the character. So whatever that discourse was about, I, I don't care. It's weird how much of my timeline on Twitter was dedicated to people discussing the face of some character in a trailer. I, I, I don't understand. I don't know if anyone's ever played Fable, but the character being ugly is kind of normal. All I can remember from Fable is this, like, stick character kind of dude with a pudgy face and, like, big gloves. This dude. Is he ugly as fuck? There you go. In Fable, your appearance changes depending on your morality, so it doesn't matter what they look like once you play enough. I see. How do I prevent burnout from creating content on one gaming franchise? I guess it depends on the franchise. Some franchises uh, lead themselves to making a greater amount of content than others do, right? I can't tell you what leads to a continued interest in a thing. Like, I remember when Charlie said that my uh, content wasn't particularly varied, in that large part all I do is uh, stuff related to uh, GTA 5, but I was like, so what? It's a platform to make content. Clearly the content I make is incredibly varied. So you got like, a location guessing game, normal speedruns of single player, speedruns of the online, stories related to scandals in, in the speedrunning of online, a modded random thing that something happens every 30 seconds, the whole entire game modded to have cougars, blind in this, you guys leading me around, a, a complete DLC package. I've got my Reddit stuff, but all, all, like the, the every fact about taxis and stuff, crossing the game on foot with Max Wanted level, cut content, facts and glitches and stuff. Like there's like 20 different variations of content that I make with GT5 as a platform. So it's incredibly varied for me. And then I throw in other stuff as well. And certainly the more popular that a game franchise is, the more that people are out there creating content for it that you can potentially play, in other words, to not get bored of the base game. The guy who started the Jiffy meme is back. To my doofus, just donated $5. That was the guy who started the Jiffy meme. 
He's the guy who informed me that Jiffy was an actual measurement of time. And I said in here, like, um, the last time he was here was the 16th of the 2nd, 2022. I'm like, and he never came back. Unrelated to this meme. But, uh, I guess he got recommended the Did You Know a Jiffy is an actual measurement of time compilation. And so tuned into the stream <laughs> for the first time in, uh, a year or so, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Small world. It's because I started using a different name? You mean a different account? Because if you're using a different name, you'd still come up on um, uh, uh, under the same thing. A different account. I see. Are you in the stream, though? On that different account? Or are you somewhere else? Would I recognize your other account? <laughs> different internet persona. Okay, dude. Dude, you do you. The reason I haven't done more giveaways when I pay your student loans, I am not in a situation where I have the kind of money where I can just give people tens of thousands of dollars. I'm in a situation where I can give people thousands of dollars, which I have, and I do giveaways. I should do another one, honestly. I liked doing giveaways. It's just I don't like that the post gets suppressed and people look at me weirdly like, are you actually giving people the money? I do give people the money. It often takes some time to track all the people down and actually get it to them, but it does go. What is happening with giveaways? I remember you randomly giving away 1K USD or GPUs and stuff. I've done like over the course of my career, something like 30 to 40 giveaways. What I usually do now is somewhere between two and $3,000 and it's divided between five to 10 people. But I receive comments where people question whether the giveaways are legitimate and that sort of stuff gets suppressed. Like I don't see many other creators doing giveaways these days. Do you, Mr. Beast? Oh, I mean, I don't mean, I mean giveaways, not in the sense of content that surrounds the idea of giving away money. I mean like giveaways as a side thing. I don't see them as often. That might be because you don't really get anything out of it or the return on investment is not really there because like, I always do it through Gleam to get people to sign up to my Twitter and, and see my other YouTube channels and stuff. But I more do that because you happen to be there. Like, it's just something like, if I have this opportunity to get people to look at my other channels, I'm gonna take it. It's why I advertise them all the time. But it's very doubtful that I actually get two to $3,000 of getting people to sign up to my Twitter on like fake accounts that they don't really care about, right? Like if you're interested in my Twitter, you're probably already going to be on my Twitter. There'll be a handful of people who have just never bothered to follow me. But um, it's not worth it. But obviously my interest isn't in getting a return on that money. It's in just giving away some stuff. I've gotten into a sticky situation with a new editor. I had this new editor, right? Edit my first all awards stream. And the process of doing this has been so strange that uh, it's hard to remember the entire timeline. But I think originally he edited it in something that wasn't Adobe. But thankfully, I only had him edit like the first half an hour of the footage. I looked at him like, oh, this is this is pretty good. It's like, uh, it has a sort of zoomer energy, a lot more memes and sound effects and stuff, more than what I normally would add myself. And I like, I, I like this sort of change of style, but you have to do it in Adobe, man, or I, we can't move forward. He's like, okay, yeah, I can do it. And when he gives it to me, he removed the entirety of the game audio, like all of it, in a bunch of spots, like he's added his own sound effects and stuff, but there's only so much that sound effects can do compared to just like, having the game audio. So it was this weird situation where it was edited fairly well and had this style that I was interested in, but it felt so dead and lifeless because of the lack of game audio. So I had to put it all the game audio back in and do the finalizing, changing up stuff that I normally do. It normally takes me something like, with a new editor, like three to six hours or something to finalize a project that's like half an hour long. I've been at this now for like three days trying to get this is done. During this golf part, for some reason, he thought a file I gave him only had my voice in it. And so he largely skipped most of it rather than just asking me 
why the file only had my voice in it. Because in reality, it obviously had multiple audio tracks and it just didn't import into his Derby Premiere correctly. I would have told him that instantly. So I had to like re-edit two hours of the footage myself. Like, like, like just the raw footage, just editing two hours. And because of the way that I edited that two hours, I now have to re-edit the last two hours as well, which is what I'm going to do today. I'll Frankenstein his edit and my edit together. But like normally with a new editor, if I had to go through one tenth of the problems that I've gone through for this edit, I would just say, no, this isn't worth it. We can't move forward. Maybe it's just come in too deep now, but I feel like I just want to see what he would do with another edit with these things explained to him. But he just made like five or six really, really, really dumb decisions. And it, it's caused me endless frustration and I don't want to work on it, but I'm going to after this is over. Have I ever considered making a quick guide on new editor mistakes? The problem with making a guide for editing is that often depends on the context whether something is applicable or not. When someone edits for me and I go through their edit, I write down every issue that I find that I'm having to correct in the hopes that it doesn't happen again. Over time, you come to understand people who know how to edit enough that they can adapt and change based on the content that you're giving them and can actually understand the feedback versus people who are really just starting out and have no idea what they're doing. And no amount of feedback's gonna help them. It depends what you're editing, how things should be edited. And certainly in some cases, like a different styles of editing can work just as well for different audiences even. I mean, one of the reasons why it's good to have like memes made of your content and remixes and stuff like that. You maybe see all those clips on like TikTok of other people's content made by other people who have like put in different music and subtitles stuff. Reason why that's often interesting is because the way that you've presented some piece of content is not necessarily the best way that that piece of content could be presented to all audiences. You don't have the luxury of just releasing the same video like six times. It edited different ways. But um, people taking small snippets can present things in different ways that can uh, and, and, and appeal to different audiences. I remember there was this viral clip of me playing Chaos and this dude is T-posing and he flies into the sky. When that was edited, there was just a no-nothing thing. Like, it was unimportant. No one gave a shit. Like, when we edited it, no one cared. We didn't even notice that. It was just a thing off to the side. But someone took that clip and put, like, I think some angelic cursed music or something uh, and focused on it, and it blew up and got, like, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of likes or whatever. It was just someone watched that footage and saw something in it that we didn't and was able to make something of it, which is cool. Do you feel you still have a lot more to learn? I'm always learning new things. As I say, though, one of the problems with my role these days is that there's less of a reason for me to learn better editing techniques. As I often say, though, most of the important things in editing are like the flow and what you include, what you don't include, the idea that you're trying to present in the video, as opposed to necessarily having the best, newest transitions. So obviously I can always bring something to any edit, just having my expertise of editing for so long. But it's obviously less necessary for me to learn new editing techniques. How many years did I spend before making a profit from YouTube? Your expenses for running a YouTube channel, outside of like considering yourself to be a worker who's spending hours on it, is very small. When I first started, I had like $20 mic, a shitty laptop, a shitty webcam, and that's all I was doing. Any amount of money that I made was, a, was effectively profit, except that I was throwing a lot of time at it. I would say I wasn't making a significant amount of money until like, we'll say 2017. My first video came out like late 2012. My first channel I was getting like 500 to 1000 views per video by the end. Then I mainly focused on Twitch. I became a partner at the end of 2016. Into 2017, I was, had a few hundred viewers. I had some subscribers. I was still making way less than minimum wage, but I was making at least some money at that point. It wasn't until 2019 
when I uh, starting to make a good amount of money. Will I be able to retire if I stop doing YouTube right now? Let's say today my career ended and I just stopped getting money from Twitch and YouTube. I would have to find another job. I would take my time with it potentially, but the amount of money that I make on Twitch and YouTube could drop astronomically and it would still be worth doing as just like a job. It's not something that I really think about. I traditionally wake up every day and have like 87 things that I need to do and those 87 things that I need to do uh, usually what dominates my thoughts. I've got like seven things I need to record for the VOD channel. I've got to make a short within the next seven hours. I've got to finish that video that I talked about. I've got to add the stuff to that response video. I've got to wait for Yellow Bat, of course. I've got to finish that passive episode. It's always just so many things. This channel makes the best video game essays. Sometimes I like to highlight channels that seem to be somewhat taking off recently and whose content I like. So this channel, The Cursed Judge, does video essays about gaming. The games we forget. The video I think I saw first was actually properly analyzing Inside by Bo Burnham. Like certainly Inside by Bo Burnham came out over a year ago or whatever. But this analysis, I was like, oh, I guess that was a lot more deep than I realized when I watched it. And I thought it was, it was a very interesting take on it. But I watched quite a few of these and I find that every one that I watched was very well done. So if you're looking for video essays about, what would you call these topics? Like abstract gaming ideas, games with unsatisfying endings. Why is the out of bounds so terrifying? Games that don't care about you. It's interesting after all this time and how many essays that I've seen on gaming that I'm still finding people who are doing fairly new things, right? It is interesting though how the views he gets for these videos have a huge range in them. Like this one got 2.1 million and the next one got 96,000. This one got 1.1 million and the next one got 63,000. Like it really depends on the topic, how well he's going. But that might be because like it's a very recent thing where he's taken off. So January 2023, he got 30,000 views for his whole channel. And in the month of February, he lost views according to Social Blade here because I guess he removed a video. But then the next month, he got a million views. The next month, he got two million views. The next month, he got three million views. And uh, it was seemingly getting a few million each month. So, like, he's a very new creator in terms of popping off in the algorithm, it seems. Unless he was, like, big a long time ago or something, I'm not sure. So, like, he's gaining, like, 50, 60,000 subscribers a month. So, if you're interested in that, check out his stuff. Like, I watched this very dumb video recently where the person asserts that YouTube doesn't promote small creators. And that's just not true. I actually keep a collection of channels that I stumbled across one of their videos and I check out their channel and they've just recently popped off. It's simply, as I always say, that the market is finite and everyone can't be a huge creator. YouTube is constantly testing small videos and stuff, but um, it can take quite a long time before the algorithm's able to find viewers for a video when, as algorithms are, they, they don't understand what the video is about. If you're a new channel, there's not a lot of data on what you're producing. It takes a while for it to, uh, if it's good content, to find some audience for it. You know what was funny? In my previous stream, I mentioned a particular creator whose content I just ran into and found interesting. His name is The Cursed Judge. And when I went off stream, I was like, well, I'll watch his newest video. And it turns out in the video is this. It can even turn the landscape into a bit of a mini game. With higher speed comes higher risk, so the rocks and bumps and hills that would normally serve no danger become a new form of obstacle. What are you saying that will make no sense to you because you haven't watched the video? But this is Saurus's, at least one of Saurus's classic percent runs. It's not one of my runs, but I was just like, oh, that's GTA 5 speedrunning. It's a thing that I did and, and, and stuff. Yeah. I was like, small world. He could have just Googled like GTA 5 uh, 
playthrough or something. But why would this come up? I don't know. But it's possible he likes GTA speedrunning. So, you know, that's, that's cool. I made a rash decision when buying a mouse pad from Linus Tech Tips. You should change the Northern Lights mouse pads to the stealth one. This mouse pad is from Linus Tech Tips. And when I was going on their WAN show, in the pre-show, it was mentioned, because they were talking about stuff, that they were getting a stealth mouse pad. And I was like, what do you mean a stealth mouse pad? It's like, oh, some people wanted a black one. I'm like, I literally just ordered another one of these. And you're telling me you're about to release a black one? Dang it. <laughs> I heard about it when I was on the show. And yeah, I do want the stealth one. It would fit so much better with the motif. So yeah, I'll eventually get that. This is one of my favorite changes that came with the Rambles channel. One of my favorite changes that has come from the Rambles channel is that it can release more videos than I could on the main channel. Sometimes there would be topics for Rambles that themselves could be their own videos, but I was like, I only want to release one video a day on my main channel. I don't want to bog people down with more and more Rambles. So I'll just leave it all as one full video. But now having a second channel, if a topic makes more sense as a standalone video, it will just be a standalone video. Answering your most interesting questions. What was my childhood like? <laughs> Brief summary of my childhood. I have two loving parents, a sister, grandparents who love me, a small family. My parents divorced when I was going into the seventh grade. Truly awful stuff. They love me, of course, they support me and stuff, but that was uh, certainly a trial for my childhood. Didn't enjoy school all that much. The friends that I had, in hindsight, not the sort of people that I really should have had. I should have branched out and met new people rather than uh, largely sticking with the same friends that I had in primary school. And yeah, that's the summary of my childhood, I guess. Family-wise, good. Friend-wise, not that good. There's a question you probably already answered, but any good book recommendations? I recommend the Mistborn trilogy by Brandon Sanderson, as well as his Way of Kings series. I really like Wheel of Time. Those are what came to mind. There's, there's so many fantasy books that I've read over the years, but uh, those were good. If you go to a top 10 fantasy list, I've probably read all of them, and I like them all. What kind of student was I? The general type of kid I was in high school was the guy that no one really dislikes. I was just a guy who existed that everyone knew, and they were like, oh, that Mac guy? Yeah, he's, he's, he's there. Prior to year 10, like, I'd be like, what, top 20% of the class or whatever, like, as in, like, at no point would anyone go, that man is a genius, but yeah, I, I did well. After year 10, though, I had a lot of, uh, I was, like, so burnt out on high school. I had quite a few emotional issues, body issues, a lot of acne and stuff, even that later on. I, I, I deal, dealt with it through high school, but as I got later into high school, it became more and more horrific. Like, my entire face was just a, a, a ball of acne. You probably can't tell, but I even had a monobrow back then. At least a bit of a one, but it, I got lasered off at some point there. But, um, I ditched, like, half of year 11. Because I happened to live fairly close to school, I just couldn't deal with it. And, uh, of course, my grades suffered in year 11 and 12. I still graduated, obviously, but, um, I still remember I left school and trying to decide what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I went to do this aptitude test, which is something that's recommended career counselor, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, she gets the results back and I'm like, I think like 75th, 80th percentile on like, um, all the readouts. And she's like, yeah, you massively underperformed in high school. That was like the first time it like dawned on me that I wasn't really trying. Like, I remember... Speaking to uh, a dude in my commerce class, the teacher, and uh, I was sitting there reading for like the 10th the time, the sixth book in the Wheel of Time. Like I've already read the book. He's teaching class. I'm not paying attention. And he's like, you're meant to be answering the questions. I'm like, I don't care, man. I, I, I got like 80% on the last test. It's fine. He's like, yeah, but you could do better than that. I'm like, I don't care. I spent my high school life reading fantasy books, just not giving a shit. And the thing about like 
not giving a shit is it doesn't matter if you can take information that you know and, and reach correct conclusions. If you don't know anything, then you can't reach the correct conclusions. And uh, obviously ditching a large amount of year 11 was not smart in terms of doing well on the finals. <laughs> Maybe in hindsight, I was lucky I graduated, but I, I didn't go all year 12 as well. But um, yeah, so obviously after high school, when I went to university, I was much more diligent with my stuff. Not to the degree that I was overtaxing myself, but um, you know, I handed in everything on time. I did all the work. I did all the study and stuff. I would partition my time so I would do well. But yeah, so high school, what kind of student was I? I was a guy who existed and didn't really care. And if you want to be a good student, you should press the like and subscribe button. Or a bad student if that's what you prefer. I don't know, just, just press the buttons. Thank you. <laughs>